Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And Merry Christmas. We probably uh, will probably be the uh, 25th person to say that to you today on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. The Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at age.com. Uh, the Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. It's been a good 2011, and we've got Alex Ben Block here back for another week yet to uh, recap the year and uh, the people who are a part of this year, Charlie Sheen. And uh, here's one guy that uh, I'm sure he's going to have some commentary about, uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, I Want Media, a great uh, publication and, of course, very supportive of the advertising show as well. Um, they have named him uh, Media Person of the Year. Yeah, so, not, a, not a difficult choice there. Huh? Yeah, it said the man who created New Hope for Old Media is named this year's most noteworthy figures. Um, let's see. Uh, visitors to I Want Media suggested 10 candidates. It was an Internet-based competition to name the year's most memorable figure. Jobs clearly was the most popular, capturing 42% of the vote. First runner-up at 18 was the scandal-plagued media mogul Rupert Murdoch, media person. Now, why would you want to do that? Media person of the year recipient last year was uh, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. I don't understand that. That's a media well, person of the year. So you're comparing. So this year, instead of uh, uh, you know uh, Rupert winning, you got uh, Jobs, and and then he, you know, it, okay. So that, that's fine. But uh, no, I want media didn't say that. They came up with that stuff. Right. I think it's kind of like uh, Time Magazine person yeah. of the year. It doesn't have to be necessarily a in person. a positive sense. Yes. Yeah. 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 So Glenn Beck was named. Ariana Huffington Beck, I think, is uh, isn't he doing a TV show or something like He's that? He's trying to get some reality TV show. Yeah. Off the hey, speaking there... of reality TV shows, did you see they've got the uh, Fear Factor on? The Fear Factor was a show that has been um, yeah. uh, around before, and it's it's back. You know where they take these couples and boy, talk about a talk. Uh, Young 18 to 49 or maybe an 18 to 24-year-old demo. This is the perfect vehicle for that, don't you think? Yeah, well, you don't want to watch that around the dinner hours, all I have to say. Oh, God, no. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. You know, you mentioned a few weeks ago, Ray, about uh, Google, maybe more than a few weeks ago, about Google acquiring Zagat or Zagat, depending on how you want to pronounce that name, which is the restaurant restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it, critic uh, yeah, book exactly. that you eat and also online capability? Mm-hmm. Well, Google has uh, recently announced that they have acquired a, a silicone-based company called Clever Sense, which is a maker of a mobile app called Alfred, which delivers personalized recommendations for nearby restaurants, bars, and nightclubs. I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about that, especially if you are a, uh, a uh, what's the phone, uh, the Google phone, the uh, um, I'm an I'm an iPhone user, so it's the uh, yeah. Droid, the Droid. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, by the way, have you ever seen the show Restaurant Impossible? Or, or you know, I think it's what it's called, Restaurant Impossible. No, I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't caught it yet. I'm I'm trying to think. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, on the Food it's Network. It's on the Food or? Network. Yeah, we, yeah. We we had a chance to uh, to visit 
One of the uh, we we watched it on uh, Food Network, and uh, this is in Cleveland, Ohio, and we had the opportunity to then go to. I said, I want to check out this restaurant. It's a, it's a Mexican restaurant uh, in, mm-hmm. in Cleveland. And so there's a Mexican in Cleveland? There's, believe it or not, yes, there is. And the interesting thing is they, they really did do a number on this restaurant in terms of um, the look and possibly the menu, although for my taste, the menu was a little bit still, um, I don't want to say Taco, Taco Bellish, Bell. but, but, but it was very prepared, and that was part of their problem. They were doing all of the, the cooking and then just dishing out the, the food and everything. They did so have was, a pretty good salt. It was salt. too prepped is what you're saying. Yeah. They prepped it too. Yeah. yeah, so there wasn't really uh, – there was a cook there, but not uh, when, uh, when he should have been or she should have been. So, uh, But we went to the restaurant. It's not bad. The people of Cleveland, Ohio would say this is a good Tex-Mex or a good Mexican restaurant. But, uh, but uh, speaking as a person from Texas, uh, he almost got it right. Uh, you know, charging for – uh, like three something for a, a bucket of chips or a little oh, bowl of chips. On. Like uh, no, I they don't want to do that. Yeah, but they, no. they had a salsa bar that was relatively good. But the food, while it was good and great, I, I and it will succeed in Cleveland. And it was probably better than it used to be. And I tell you, they packed the house uh, with people uh, not slamming down the Mexican, but slamming down the uh, the booze. Uh, and uh, so <laughs> they're going to do okay. But but restaurant in uh, I'll say Strongsville, Ohio. You almost got it. I wish you the best, and you'll probably do great for your folks in Cleveland. But you really need to come to Texas to see how it's really done. Okay. You know, since you're talking about that, I'm going to throw my two cents in before we get to uh, Jeremy Kent out of uh, Great Britain. But I, Laura and I, my wife, were in uh, so the Central Coast with Paso Robles or Paso Robles, depending on how you pronounce that. Sure. There's two. Uh, anyway, we were there, and we were after all the wine and dining and all that. We wanted some Mexican food, so we did some checking and found, you know, a decent Mexican restaurant, very homey and very locally owned and operated. But the bummer of the whole thing was, and I always like to check this first. Uh, make sure that they have. Uh, beer, wine, and margaritas, because a lot of cases, you know, and so she checked, uh, we have wine margaritas. It's like, no, no, that, that's not a margarita. No. Oh, yeah, we have wine. Mar- I said, what you tell me is you don't have a liquor license. No, not yet. Okay, well, uh, so we marked, uh, we ended up going there anyway. Yeah. Uh, but we went to a, a bar before that and had a couple margaritas. Just so you could have margarita. <laughs> well, just so the Mexican food could taste, could taste right better. on a memorable way. Exactly. Know? Here in yeah. the Houston market, uh, Tito's, not Tito's, uh, what's it? The, oh, I'm not going to know the name of it now. That's unfortunate. Oh, man. I'll have to, I'll have to tell that story when I have the whole story. But it's uh, um, at a great Mexican restaurant here in town. The guys from uh, ZZ Top came up with uh, a new type of a drink. And Los Tios? No, it's not Los Tios. No, it's uh, El Tiempo is the name of the restaurant if we're doing that. Ah. But it's a great place, and uh, they were in there. And uh, Billy, uh, it, it's called a Gibbons, okay? And uh, it's a local, it's a local, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, alcohol maker. I think it's uh, Austin or something like that. Man, I gotta get the name. But uh, and you, and, and I don't want to misrepresent the guy. But apparently, it's a really great. Uh, 
uh, business that he has going, and it turned out to be a really good drink because I had one. <laughs> so if, if you that go you to, remember. If you go to El Tiempo, ask for the Gibbons. Hmm. It was designed by Billy and his good friend, uh, the guy who I can't remember his name. All right. Hey, we've got uh, Jeremy <laughs> Kent here on the Advertising Show. Jeremy, we've got a special report coming up from him. And, of course, Alex Ben Block uh, coming up uh, right after that on the Advertising Show. It's powered by Schiphol.com. S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. That's an easy thing to remember. As it relates to web marketing, these guys are killer and probably the tops in the country and in the world, for that matter. They do a great job for the advertising show. So Ed and, and his crew, thanks again for a great year. On behalf of uh, Ray and Brad and the advertising show, check it out. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. Here's Jeremy Kent, the guy with that funny English accent. I don't know where he gets that, but, uh, but we love him anyway, don't we? Happy Christmas and welcome to London for the European News Desk. This week, Britain's set for record Christmas Day shopping spree, HMV issues a warning on future trading, and kids' tablets are the Christmas toy of 2011. IMRG is forecasting that British consumers will spend more than $290 million shopping online this Christmas Day. That's up 12% on last year's record and Boxing Day sales are set to nearly double to $570 million. While some may view shopping on Christmas Day to not be quite in the Christmas spirit, IMRG points out that much of it may be extended Christmas gifts, such as e-books for a recently received Kindle or music for an iPod. In contrast, high street retailer HMV has had a tough year and sees no improvement in 2012. HMV has been a feature of the British high street and music scene for 90 years, but recently the brand has been in decline, and its core music offering has seen strong competition from supermarkets and online retailers such as Amazon and iTunes. While the company claims to have adequate resources to continue for the foreseeable future, four profit warnings this year and net losses rising to $78 million for the first six months to October doesn't look good. Despite selling the book retailer Waterstones and HMV Canada, the company is now considering the sale of its music venue business, HMV Live. HMV recently announced a shift in emphasis to technology hardware such as tablet PCs and MP3 players, but analysts fear that's no more than a sticking plaster because that market is also intensely competitive and it too is moving more and more online. Finally, rising energy costs and increased taxation combined with pay freezes or even pay cuts mean that the UK consumer has considerably less cash to spend this holiday season. To make matters worse, rising unemployment and concerns about the Eurozone have also had a negative impact on consumer confidence. Early retailer sales figures show a mixed bag with some stores reporting falls while others are booming. Kids' tablet PCs are this year's must-have Christmas toy with InnoTab's Learning Tablet and LeapPad's Explorer taking the top two slots. From a marketing and advertising perspective, it's good to see the logo board game in the top 10. The game centres on the history of major brands and has managed to achieve number 8 in the lineup. This is Jeremy Kent wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Back with Alex Ben Block here on the Advertising Show for a second week in a row as we wrap up uh, the year 2011. Alex, award-winning entertainment industry journalist, author, commentator and talk show host, is a senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter, lead editor on the book George Lucas's Blockbusting published a great acclaim back in uh, 2010, January. Also a show business historian for Hollywood Today and a regular contributor to the advertising show here. Alex, we're happy to have you back this week. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. 
Yeah, it's been a big year in syndication, I guess you would say, Alex. We knew Oprah was going to be leaving. We had led up to that, I guess, for a year. And then Regis uh, mentions his uh, departure, and ABC says, well, you hang a little bit through the ratings period. But, so what happened as a result of both of those uh, wonderful personalities leaving the syndication world, and who's left to battle it out? Well, when Oprah left, there was a whole scramble to see who was going to get those late afternoon time slots, especially the ones leading into the local news, which are not only uh, times of very large viewership, but also really crucial for local stations who need people to hang around and watch their news. And whether you watch the show just before the news or not makes a big difference in how they do in those ratings, and it's pretty much life or death to those local stations. So the in terms of who got the most of those slots, Interestingly, it was Dr. Oz, who, in fact, was spun off from Oprah's show and is produced in part, along with Sony, uh, by uh, Oprah's company, Harpo. Uh, and he's done okay. But uh, it's Dr. Phil, who she also spun off earlier, who she also has a piece of his show, who's really risen to the occasion. He's now the number one rated talk show in uh, TV syndication in America in the afternoons. And uh, he's come on strong and really increased his ratings this year and doing very, very well. Um, Anderson was the big new show with Anderson Cooper, who also is on CNN. Uh, he's done okay. He got off to a good start for a new show, uh, not doing gangbusters, about one-third of the viewership of Dr. Phil. Uh, and, of course, all of them pale uh, in consideration to the, the queen of syndicated TV, Judge Judy. It gets like a nine rating, which is about three times what uh, Dr. Phil gets. Uh, and, of course, uh, long-running shows like uh, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy are also up there. But in terms of those talk shows, that, that's kind of where it gets interesting. Uh, one show that Oprah sponsored and her company produced, Nate Berkus, in his second year, uh, has now had to announce that after this season he will not return. Hmm. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of new shows coming for the fall of 2012, Perhaps the most interesting one being Katie, starring Katie Kirk, which brings Disney and ABC back into the syndication market in a big way. Uh, and she has gotten a lot of the clearances in the late afternoon leading into the, uh, the network show. Also get the space on the ABC-owned stations in all the major markets, which is a really big deal. Now, ABC also has what used to be called uh, Live with Regis and Kelly. But uh, Regis, I can't say he retired. He hates when you say he retired. He's left yeah. that show. He's going to continue in television, but he's not doing the daily grind of that show anymore. And he got spectacular ratings for his final show. And, and then right after that, uh, Jerry Seinfeld filled in for him, and he did okay. But the ratings have been going down a bit since. Now, they're not terrible, hmm. but they keep fading downward. So the question is, who's going to replace Regis? I talked to some people at, the, at ABC Disney who told me they're going to audition a bunch of different people, probably won't make a decision until somewhere well into the first quarter of next year and they're going to try some different things. So that remains a staple in the morning, but uh, not quite as stable a staple as it used to be. What about the uh, Katie Couric thing? How do you feel about that? Well, you know, Katie kind of stumbled as the anchor of the CBS Evening News, but I wouldn't underestimate her. She's a very good interviewer. She's a real journalist. Uh, she's uh, got a good personality. She proved when she was on the Today Show that people really like her. Uh, and so I think she's got a good shot to to, to be there, but... This is very difficult. Other people have tried this and fallen on their butts, and there's no guarantee that she's going to succeed. Mm -hmm. But uh, she certainly has the money behind her. She's going to have the production value. She's got the time period. She's going to have the promotion. So 
So if anybody can do it, I think it's Katie. I was—you forgot my favorite show, at least the kids' grandkids' favorite show, Billy the Exterminator. That's—that's that's a hot show, I'm sure. Oh well, it's a killer. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so uh, Big Bang also finally goes into syndication. I understand Big Bang Theory. Yeah, you know, among the off-network shows, those that had been network shows and then now are off-network, uh, Big Bang is a big winner. Uh, the show's doing very well in the syndication market. It continues to air in pattern uh, in the evening on CBS, but now it's also a hit on stations and syndication all over the place. Uh, so, uh, you know, not every, not every show succeeds. Uh, some of them have fallen on their face, but the uh, Big Bang is getting a big bang out of syndication. That's good. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, the business and technical side of the entertainment world. Uh, and starting with the market share out there for the movie companies, who's, who seems to be dominating these days? Well, uh, clearly uh, Paramount Pictures and Warner Brothers are at the top of the list. Uh, as of this moment, in terms of movie distributor grosses for 2011, Paramount has about a little over an 18% share. Warner Brothers a little over a 17% share. And then in third place is Sony Pictures with uh, almost 13%, followed by Disney with uh, about 12.5%. Universal not having a banner year, a little over 10%. Fox having a poor year, down a little under 9%. Uh, and then among the independents, Summit Entertainment, a little picture called Twilight, you may have heard of, has about 4% of the market. Uh, Relativity, in their first year as a distributor, is doing pretty well. They had a picture uh, a few weeks ago called The Immortals, going to gross about $200 million worldwide, uh, even though they've had their problems. Uh, they're an exciting young company and doing some interesting things that other people don't do. And then among the independents, uh, Weinstein Company, uh, the guys who used to run Miramax, Bob and Harvey Weinstein continuing to be players, uh, certainly in the awards season, and Lionsgate, uh, which... Uh, is now in production on the Hunger Games, which uh, they're hoping is going to be big for them. Has the Tyler Perry movies, and they also have a strong syndication division with Mad Men and some other shows. Uh, so that's the lineup of who's dominating among movie distributors. Interesting. Well, as we wrap up this segment, one final question. Let's tackle uh, DVDs. Uh, will this be a category that we will reflect back on and say, do you remember the 8-track tape? <laughs> and now the DVD, or is the, will they be around for a while? Well, you know, the DVD already has done a lot better than the 8-track tape ever did and outlived it. It's been around since the late 90s, so it's had a pretty good run. Uh, but it is fading, and it's fading uh, not because there's another format that we hold in our hand that we like so much, although I'm going to talk about Blu-ray in a second, uh, but really because people are now getting their downloads online, and I think that's only going to increase. For those people who do want a good physical media experience, Blu-ray is a pretty good uh, way to get your movies. It's uh, not only available as a player, it also offers 3D, by the way, but also a lot of the game systems like, like Xbox include Blu-ray players built into them. Uh, and the exciting thing for the end of this year and going into next year is something called Ultraviolet. And there's also a Disney version of it with a different name called Keychest. But basically what this is is the cloud system. This is where... Uh, when you buy your favorite movie, uh, you'll also get a disc in there that you'll be able to go online and you'll be able to store a version of what you bought on the cloud, the cloud being some distant server somewhere, uh, so that if you're in the airport uh, with your little handheld device or your iPad, you'll be able to go online and tap into your account in the cloud, and you'll be able to find all those movies you bought waiting for you, and you'll be able to watch them when you want, how you want, where you want at any time. 
And so ultraviolet is what that system is called. And pretty much all of the electronics companies and studios, with the exception of Disney, are participating in that. Disney has their own version of it, uh, Disney All Access, they call it, with the key chest. Uh, and it's an even simpler version of it. But the idea is that the major distributors believe that over time, you won't actually buy physical copies of anything. You'll, you'll buy these digital copies, you'll store them in a digital space that doesn't take up any memory on your computer, and you'll be able to access them when you want, where you want. So, will we remember the DVD? I think it's going to be around for a while. I think we'll remember it fondly as a format that did actually quite well. It's not a track, but I also think the future is probably in the cloud. That makes a lot of sense. Alex Ben Block is here with us on the Advertising Show. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Walks downstairs alone or in pairs and makes a sneakety sound. A Ray Shillings, Brad, Brad Forsyth, and it's all about entertainment Everyone this week as we wrap up 2011 with Alex Ben Block, who is the senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter. Alex in the uh, Ben Block household, is it is it LCD, LED, or plasma? That's what we want to know. Uh, well, it's a combination of uh, LED and the uh, old fashioned tube. Tube? Yeah, no. I still got some TVs that work fine. I'm not getting rid of them until they break. I understand. I, a so, lot of people so like which, that. Which child do you have get up from the chair to turn the channel? <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter has her own home and no longer lives with us. Uh, but uh, uh, luckily, we do have cable TV with remote control and a DVR, and I do record lots and lots of stuff. I'm sure you do. I'm so, sure you, do. Uh, you know, the answer is that we're somewhat modern, but we aren't that modern. Okay. And, uh, and and I got this big tube TV in my bedroom, and it works fine. So yeah. am I going to go spend a ton of money on a new flat screen? Not yet. Good. Smart man. Smart man. You know, uh, earlier this year, you wrote a story about uh, Chris Dodd being uh, announced or appointed as uh, chairman and CEO of Motion Picture Association of America. How's he done so far, and what's the take on him? You know, I like Senator Chris Dodd, the former senator from Connecticut, who after a long run took over the job that... Most of us associate with the late Jack Valeni, although there was another general, gentleman who had it in between. Um, you know, it's not an easy job because uh, you got all these different member companies who are at odds with each other. Uh, under when Jack Valeni had the job, most of them all could agree we're in the movie business. These days, they're in the movie business, the TV business, the consumer electronics business, the video game business, and other stuff. And so they have a lot of different agendas. The one thing they can all agree on is they hate piracy. They don't like anybody to steal their copyrighted intellectual property. So most of Chris Dodd's job seems these days to be to fight piracy and to lead the legislative battle to get more bills to fight piracy. And so far, he sounds good, but he hasn't actually gotten a lot done. This is very difficult stuff. And uh, I think that he's brought new leadership to the MPAA. He's given it a voice. I think he's the kind of guy who, like Jack Valetti, can be a player on the world stage. People will recognize him and listen to him. I think he's going to do a great job in that sense, but uh, this is not an easy road for him to travel, and I think he's still getting up to speed. You know, when I think of uh, personalities and companies that were in the headlines for 2011, uh, of course, Charlie Sheen comes to mind immediately, Murdoch and his son uh, testifying over there in, in Great Britain. 
uh, and of course a, a company or two. Kind of take us through the the headlines for uh, 2011. Well, I think uh, you know Murdoch. You touched on Rupert Murdoch uh, has had a, an amazing run, and because he has a, a dominant position in a certain grade of stock in News Corp, he really can't be taken out uh, unless he agrees to do so, and he's hanging in there tight. But this scandal has really rocked the company and uh, raised questions about the whole dynastic hold he has and whether or not his son James Murdoch will be able to su- succeed him. James Murdoch has not uh, covered himself in glory in this uh, hacking scandal in London. Uh, most recently, he said that he did get an email telling him that there was hacking going on, but he never actually read it, which uh, oh, I thought was kind so of odd. Wow. Um, and uh, his appearances before uh, committees of parliament have not really gone that well. And so the whole question of whether he'll be the one is unclear. The daughter Elizabeth, whose company Murdoch bought this year for an extraordinary amount of money, uh, he thinks it was worth seven or eight hundred million dollars. A lot of people suing the company don't agree. Uh, she actually refused to come on the board because she was so nervous about the way things were going. And then there was Lachlan, who lives in Australia, the other son, who actually quit the company and uh, and has his own thing going in Australia. So whether or not the dynasty will continue or not, uh, maybe we're going to have to wait for Wendy Ding's children to grow up. They're still toddlers at this point. And now Rupert is what about eighty. So he'll only have to live 20 or 30 more years, uh, and then they then can turn it over to uh, Wendy Ding's children. That makes sense. So how in the world did Netflix, uh, such a great company, trip over itself, and did they ever recover with their announcement on fees and so forth? Well, you know, it's odd, because I actually admire Netflix, and I've gone up and I've met uh, some of the people who run it, and I thought this is about the smartest group of people I've ever met. And they're so smart about understanding you have to reinvent yourself and reinvent your company. And the chairman up there told me a couple of years ago, he said, we're not in the business of delivering DVDs by mail. We're going to be in the streaming business. The DVD by mail is a transition we have to go through to get from here to there. He knew even then that that's where the company was going. And he had made this big deal with the Stars Network to get uh, their rights to replay their movies that they bought from Disney and others uh, and use them on Netflix and help build the company. And Netflix has also gone out and made library deals with a whole lot of people to take movies that otherwise kind of sit around and make them available uh, in a streaming service that Netflix offered. But earlier this year, uh, they essentially doubled the price. Instead of about $8 uh, for both the streaming and the deliver-by-mail service, uh, it was $8 for each. And while $8 may not sound like a lot of money, to the Netflix customers, it was a big shock. In terms of percentages, it was a huge bomb of a shock. And then they didn't handle it very well. They uh, made some announcements that didn't come true. They did some PR things that weren't very smart. Uh, and they've kind of fallen over themselves. And it's cost them a huge number of customers. Their profits have dropped. Their stock, which I think reached about $300 a share, is now under $100 a share in a wow. matter of months. Uh, and even though they're in the, the midst of a really big international expansion all over the world, the whole company has been rocked by this, and now there's rumors the company may be for sale. The, uh, the current management may just have to sell the whole thing and let somebody else take it over. So they've gone from being the model of maybe the smartest company around in a league maybe only with Apple to being a company that uh, is looking like uh, a, a stumble bum, and, uh, and uh, they really need to get their act together in a different way. And Now, look, they're still smart people. They still have a great organization. They still have millions of customers. I don't underestimate them. But boy, uh, they sure are tarnished, and it's going to take a while to, to get 
get that glow back. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Sheldon and Brad Forsyth. We'll continue our conversation with Alex Benblock here in just a moment. Thanks again for listening. Back for our final segment of the year as we wrap up 2011 with Alex Ben Block here on the Advertising Show. Alex, always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, Alex, uh, wrapping up personalities and uh, headlines for 2011. Can't finish that without talking about Charlie Sheen. Will his uh, career eventually recover? I understand he's shooting a movie right now. Yeah, I hear he's shooting a movie too. But the big news is he has a new television show coming called Anger Management. Based on the movie of some years ago with uh, Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, actually uh, the show has been picked up already in Canada. Looks like a go project. They're still shopping it for either a network or for maybe a syndication deal here in the United States. But uh, in the third week of January, they have the NAPE conference, N-A-T-P-E, which is uh, the TV syndication conference being held in Miami Beach, Florida, and Sheen has announced that he'll be there to promote his show. Uh, anger management and to help sell it, which indicates it may well be headed to the syndication market. I'm also going to be there covering it, so uh, both, we'll both be in Miami Beach together, sort of. Uh, <laughs> but really, Charlie Sheen has had an extraordinary career. There's no question about it. He's done some great stuff, made some memorable movies. He had a great long run on Two and a Half Men, but I think he got kind of full of himself. Here's a guy who's making $2 million an episode. And he's angry because they don't say thank you at the end of each episode and tell him how wonderful he is. Mm. Hey, pal, they just wrote you a check for $2 million. Is that enough, not enough thank you for you? Yeah. So, uh, and we all know, I don't, I'm not going to go through all of his antics and his, uh, his nonsense and the, that ridiculous tour he did and, and all the craziness on the Internet and the tweeting and Twittering and everything else he did. But uh, he seems to have gotten his act together a little bit. Uh, I think he's down to one girlfriend, last I heard. Uh, <laughs> what a he's shame. got a couple of children. Uh, but, uh, you know, if he can stay sober, he is a good actor, and anger management is an interesting premise, and he could make a comeback. But, look, he walked away from Two and a Half Men and said the show will be nothing without him, and instead they hired Ashton Kutcher, and the show is going gangbusters. I'm happy the fact that we can... uh, Crystal Ball is a little cloudy from my point of view. I'm happy (laughs) that we can actually talk about Charlie Sheen. For a while there, it was touch and go. It's like, I hope he's going to make it. Yeah, really. You had to wonder what he was uh, ingesting. Yeah, right. And I guess you've got to be single to play that role on uh, Two and a Half Men now that Kutcher's getting a divorce. (laughs) Uh, Apparently. I guess that helps. Uh, Certainly he's a virile young man who seems to like to uh, uh, try different things. (laughs) <laughs> so speaking of uh, sports, and we're talking the real kind now, uh, NBA, or sorry, the NFL got their uh, contract handled, as we announced a few weeks ago. Where are we with the NBC, uh, NBA? Well, you know, the NBA had a labor action, and because of that, the season has been shortened. Uh, if you're hearing this on Christmas Day, then you know that today is the day the so-called NBA season is beginning again. And uh, there will be playoffs coming up, which some people think is the real season in the NBA anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, they didn't do themselves any good. Whenever you have these labor things, I think it puts the fans off, and it makes the sort of marginal fans think, why am I bothering these just overpaid crybabies? And you don't know who to like less, the players or the owners, because uh, they both seem like jerks. And I think the NBA didn't do themselves any good by not being able to come to a deal and work it out. But there will be an NBA season, and... Uh, my prediction is that somewhere around March, when the playoffs are in uh, in the big heat, 
we'll, we'll be talking about it again. We'll be excited about it again, and it'll seem a lot more interesting at that point. Sure. And you know, uh, baseball, you can't say baseball without saying who the hell's going to own the L.A. Dodgers. It's getting ugly out there. Yeah, you want to pitch your... in with me? We'll all put some money in a pot and we'll go and uh, we'll bid for the Dodgers. <laughs> that's a bad idea. Well, that's your hometown, uh, kind of so you wouldn't story. have you know, to drive Dodgers, far to work. I love the L.A. Dodgers. I live in Los Angeles. They're my favorite team, and it's been so sad to watch what's happened to this franchise. I don't have to tell you how storied the franchise was coming out of Brooklyn, coming to L.A., the great years, the many World Series and titles they won, the great players, and uh, it's uh, instead become this kind of disaster in a business sense. This guy, Frank McCourt, should have stuck with parking lots. Uh, apparently, parking cars was something he did well, because he sure didn't do well by the Dodgers. <laughs> and I, for one, applaud his uh, being forced to sell the team. Not crazy about the way baseball has handled it, but if the ultimate is that a better ownership will come in and take this jewel of a franchise over and make it what it was once again, I think it's good for television, it's good for the sport, and it's good for America. So I say go Dodgers. Well, you know, uh, any major sporting event does involve, uh, if you're going to attend in person, parking. But uh, I guess there's more to it than that. i got two names that I'd like to wrap up this uh, interview with. One is Steve Jobs, and another is the Kardashians. Let's take the Kardashians first. Your thoughts? Well, you know, the Kardashians have had this amazing run on television as reality stars, despite the fact that I'm hard-pressed to tell you what it is they do besides walk, talk, and shop. (laughs) <laughs> they don't seem to sing or dance or entertain in a meaningful way. But uh, just the fact that uh, at least some of them were attractive-looking and that they uh, were willing to let cameras come into their bedrooms and into their living rooms and into their lives in a way that uh, seemed very personal, seemed to have built a cult around them. And uh, somehow this marriage of Kim Kardashian to Chris Humphreys that lasted only 72 days kind of exploded the myth that the Kardashians somehow were these special people and made people scratch their head and go, why are we watching this trash? Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to continue uh, serving up the ratings for the E-Channel and others that have been so phenomenal, uh, it now is kind of in doubt. I think, uh, you know, I'm not saying they're going away because they are have become second only to General Motors as a corporation in this country, apparently. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the perfection of the Kardashians, the fact they seem to have everything, turns out that there's one thing they don't have, and that's brains. <laughs> you know, is it just me, Alex, or does Bruce Jenner, the husband of uh, the matriarch, Kardashian matriarch there, does he resemble more each day Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies? What's going on with his, uh, with his you know, face? Bruce Jenner, anyway. people don't realize that he had a terrible auto accident back in the 90s and he was disfigured, and he went through tremendous plastic surgery. So if you look at the guy who won all those gold medals way back when and compare mm-hmm. him to the guy who's on TV now, they really look quite different. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with the uh, restructuring of his entire face and body after that auto accident. Uh, I have to say that uh, as a personality on TV, he comes off as kind of milk toast yeah. and, yeah. Uh, and kind of the, playing a second fiddle to all those women. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they're all making a lot of money, and they'll, they'll all be laughing all the way to the bank. I'm glad you well, mentioned had, that, too, about uh, the uh, the accident. I had no idea. I thought that was just neither. a bad experience with uh, plastic surgery. Is it just another plastic surgery vain guy, right? Yeah. I right. thought it was another Hollywood guy getting plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah I didn't too. know that. Me, too. Well, we can't uh, wrap up 2011 without uh, talking about Steve Jobs. What are your thoughts, and what can you say that maybe we 
haven't heard yet about Steve Jobs. Well, you know, in life, Steve Jobs was an important figure. It turns out in death, he's even more important because it shows you uh, what true leadership and vision was really about. And there are so few business leaders today who are about the vision or about making sure the company stays at the cutting edge and taking risk and making those risks pay off. And he's built Apple really into a much more impressive company than I think many of us thought it, was, it could be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if you read the, uh, the terrific book about him or if you know anything about his life, you know that he was kind of a guy who did it his way. And he didn't always please everybody around him. He could be a tough boss. He could be a, a difficult guy with his family. But uh, he truly had a vision, and he truly was an American original, an entrepreneur, a creator, a guy who, in business and in uh, the arts of business, whether it's uh, discovering things or patents or being a marketing genius, really was a leader in the field. And I think uh, it's going to be a long time before we see anybody who is in his stature. And if we lost somebody in 2011 who really made a difference in this world, Steve Jobs has to be at the top of that list. Alex, we want to say thank you for uh, not only today taking us back through 2011, but for your participation uh, with the advertising show throughout 2011 and for many years beyond that as well. We sincerely appreciate your input and uh, your uh, uh, your content and everything. So uh, happy holidays to you. Well, thank you, to which I have three words. Happy New Year. <laughs> there we go. On the advertising show, that's Alex Van Block. I'm Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth uh, here too. The Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production, and we will talk to you again soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.